you're going to start hearing about this idea of why we exist. We exist here at the net, and we use this phrase to cast the net. Everybody say, cast the net. Okay, when you say cast the net, what is that sounds to you? What is that means? Fishing. 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 Somebody else. Which I didn't mean that that was wrong. I mean, that, that's, that's right. What is casting the net means? Reaching out and reaching God. Reaching people for Christ. Church, everything that we're doing here, it is to be an instrument of God. If you're here in this place, it's not just so you can come and get God. It is, yes, so you can come and get God and share God. That's how it works. I mean, every time that I read prayers in the Bible, when even it started with Abraham, I said, God bless me. It was a God bless me so I can bless others. That's how we go. We are vessels from God's grace. We are vessels from God's love. We exist to cast the net. We exist to see people outside of this building to get to know Jesus Christ. Goodness, today is January 5th. It has been a rough, a rough year already for the Cruz family. But even when we put things into perspective, just dealing with the flu, I mean, in perhaps one of the best countries in the world when, you, when it comes down to dealing with sickness, and within the country, perhaps in one of the best cities in the country when it comes down to healing with sickness. When I put things in perspective into what we've been going through, it's nothing in comparison to what people are going around the world. There's people that right now, on January 5th of 2020, they're done with 2020. There's people that perhaps are literally praying, God, can you make this year just be over? And there's 355 more days, or 360 more days. So what does that mean to you and me? What did this idea of casting the net means in a broken world? And that's what we're gonna be addressing during the next couple of weeks. Why we exist to cast the net. How do we do it? Through each one of these six core values. And we're gonna start with the first one. Everybody say the word love. love. Everybody say the word amor. amor. Esther, how do you say love in Swahili? Upendo. What? <laughs> upendo. Everybody say the word upendo. Upendo, amor, love. Everybody, upendo, amor, love. We'll start with a Bible verse that will capture this Bible idea. You have a Bible you can open in the book of Matthew. If not, you'll see the words in the screen. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, you can go to the Net Church app. It is for free. You can get a Bible right there for free. So next time you go to the bathroom, you can read the Bible right there. This is what Matthew 22 says. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with a question. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, all the prophets hang on these two 
commandments. So we're going to talk about this word of love. And because we just celebrated Christmas, am I there? No? Do I grab one of these? And because we just celebrated Christmas, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about God's love. If you believe in Christmas, I hope you believe that God loves you. Because that's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is because God so loved this world that he sent his son Jesus Christ to live and die for us. That is what Christmas is all about. So I'm going to go with the assumption that you believe that God loves you. Because that is truth. God loves you. What I'm going to spend this morning is talking about how do we love God back. Now, in the churches, we, we use these two commandments. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so many times, we skip this idea of loving God, and we rush into loving our neighbor. And, and then we start wrestling with, okay, who is my neighbor? Why should I love him or love her? What does that mean? I don't want to do it, etc., etc., etc. But you can't love your neighbor if you don't love God. So I want us to spend a good amount of time today wrestling with this idea of what it means to love God. And I'm going to start with what is not to love God. Practicing a religion that is not to love God. The guys that Jesus was arguing here in scripture are individuals that practice a religion. Pharisees, Sadducees, they were experts in the law, experts in the Old Testament Bible, experts when it comes down to practicing a religion. But practicing a religion doesn't make you love God. Practicing a religion can make you a fanatic of what God is. Practicing a religion can make you a social club. Practicing a religion can make you be a great, great religious person without loving God. You see, so many times in church, we fall in love with the process of loving God instead of falling in love with God. You following me? We fall in love with the way we love God, with the things that help us to love God, with the tools that we use to love God. That's why we end up loving buildings. That's why we end up loving you know, institutions. That when the news is that it's splitting, we think the world is going to come to the end. And it is not. If we love God with all our heart, our mind, and our souls, the news that a denomination is splitting, it will be like, well, it's okay. I'll find a way to love God with all my heart, mind, and soul, and love my neighbor as myself in whatever expression I can find. When we practice a religion, it makes us consumers of the church's mission. When you love God, 
it makes you responsible of the church mission. Wow. Following the difference? You can practice a religion, and yet all you've been doing is being a consumer of the church's mission. When you love God, you're responsible of the church's mission. Because you're going around the world and thinking, gosh, there's no way that there's people out there living without God. I need to do something about it. I may not know a lot about the Bible, then what I have to do, what I have to, do to figure it out. Maybe my, maybe my gifts are to sing. Maybe my gifts are to write. Maybe my gifts are to smile. Maybe my gifts are to clean. Maybe my gifts are to make coffee. Whatever it is that you start discovering your gifts, you put them into practice so people can come to know, love, and worship God. Practicing a religion will not make you love God. Now, I have to be honest. When we talk about loving God with our hearts, minds, and souls, in some ways it sounds easy, but in some ways it's complicated. A couple of weeks ago, when I knew I was going to preach about this, I grabbed my four-year-old son. I called Ben. I said, hey, Ben, come over here. He said, what's up, Daddy? He said, the Bible says that you should love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. What does that mean? He looked at me. And then he said, can I go now? <laughs> I said, dude, yeah, you get out of here. You're not helpful. <laughs> so he left. He said, okay, he's four years old. I have to give him a slack. All he cares is about Legos and Cheetos. So that's fine. <laughs> so I went above him and grabbed my eight-year-old. I said, hey, hey, come over here, buddy. What's up, Dad? Hey, the Bible said that you should love God with all your heart, with all your mind with all your soul. What does that mean? He looked at me and said, what do you say? <laughs> said, that you should love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. I don't know. And he walked away. <laughs> and I get it. And that's, that's what I get from Gabe. So I went above him to my 11-year-old daughter. It's okay. He's the girl. You know, the girls in our house tend to be the most trustworthy, so we're going to go with her. Hey, Natalia, the Bible says that you should love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. She said, yeah. I said, okay, what does that mean? Well, I don't know. So well, let's, let's put, into, put some thoughts into that. What do you think that means? And she looked at me. She said, love God with everything you have. I said, okay, how do you do that? I don't know. And she walked away. So I said, okay, at least we're moving forward. At least, at least we're getting there. You know, we went from Cheetos to now, you know, loving God with everything that you have. So I grabbed my oldest one, 14 years old, RJ. Hey, buddy, come here. What's up, Dad? The Bible says that you should love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. He said, yeah. It's okay, what does that mean? What? You know, he's to the age that he said, like, well, to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And I said, what do you mean? I said, that. And, you know, he's in the age that, you know, he's trying to be smarty pants, right? Because he's putting the question on me. Like, what do you think it means? You went to seminary. You, spend <laughs> <laughs> you tell me you're right to act that you, yeah, you're right or you're wrong. And I said, what does that mean? And he said, well, I mean, you need to love God with as much as you love everything. You know, Mother Teresa 
when she was asked about love, she said, loving is loving until it hurts. So I asked Argy, okay, what it means for you to love God in the same way that you, I mean, with everything. I said, what is the thing that you love the most? And then, of course, he said, God, right? And we just talk about that. He said, okay, after God. And then he said, my family. And I, and I believe it, I mean, because he, he's a loving boy. And I said, okay, I get it. After that, what is the one thing that you love the most? Any guesses in this room? You know my boy. Football. football. <laughs> and I said, can you love God with the same amount that you love football? Because, I mean, you, you want to dedicate your life for football. I mean, you wake up at 4 in the morning to practice. You practice for hours. You play it in a video game. You talk to people about football all day long. You want to literally go to school for free to do what you love. Can you love God like that? And I've been wrestling with that idea for the past couple of days, couple of weeks, actually. What if we love God with our hearts, with our minds, and with our souls in the same way that we love football. Now, I believe that not everybody in this room loves football. You can change football for band, for soccer, for basketball, for arts, for theater, for food. You fill in the blank for singing, whatever it is. But there's a big chance that if I ask you what do you love, you can think in something. Whatever that is, what if you can love God with the same amount of desire? Let me show you a quick video that I found online that I think is funny. We're just about ready for the big show to start here in sunny Steepleville. And what a day it is. It just doesn't get any better than this. I'm Bob Cobb, joined by my colleague, Taffy Babbler. And you're looking at beautiful aerial shots provided by Airship Worship, now broadcasting in HD. Love to see the players getting focused, getting their mind right, getting in the proverbial zone. And here are the starting lineups brought to you today by Stump and Sons Altars, keeping knees at ease since 1933. Dan Verbosti, pastor, the Bamford Theological Seminary. Jerry Woodwind, worship, Eastern Southwest Central School of Divinity. Frank Banter, associate assistant to the intern of the executive minister of community ministry, GED. Jerry, how is the injury? Uh, you know, it's, it's fine. There's some soreness. Uh, X-rays were negative, but I should be fine as long as I stay away from B-flat. So. Are you worried about re-injuring it? Um, you know, as long as I, I play hard and, and play at my pace, uh, I think I should be fine. Have you ever bet on attendance? What? Have you ever taken anabolic steroids? No. Have you ever lip-synced worship? <laughs> Listen, we're about to get started here. And here's the kickoff. And it's a slow play. Wow, that's big. You're the home team. You want to have a surprise or two up your sleeve. What I call mixing up ability. It sounds like the new Darlene Zek or, or Zeek or Zeku. Zeesh. Yeah, is it Zeechi maybe? Uh, Darlene Zahash. Uh, let's go to our sideline reporter, Billy Sturpot. This uh, crowd seems a little bit lethargic, but uh, this town is known for late crowds. So maybe by halftime, they'll be a little more into it. It looks like Johnny Weems is headed for an early exit. <laughs> Chiefs fan, they play at 11. Oh my, look at this, a huge error, enormous. You're the media team, you're leading the league in fumbles, you can't let this happen, you can't let this happen. 
terrible timing, especially on a new song. Look at this crowd, it, it's bedlam. Pandemonious. Look at Maggie Jensen, veteran overloud singer. She hasn't missed a word. What a performance. One of the greats, Bob. One of the greats. What if we love God in the same way that we love other things? You see, the Bible said to love God with all your heart. When you love God with all your heart, you show it. You see, fan sports, football fans, you can tell their football teams because of the way they wear t-shirts, because of the hats they wear, because of the flags that they wave, because of the profile pictures in their social media accounts, because of how they show it. I mean, I can look around here and I can see that we have 49ers fans, we have Packers fans, we have Wisconsin fans, we have Georgia Bulldogs fans, we have Patriots fans, and I can see, <laughs> and I can see that you are a Georgia Bulldog fan, that you are a Yellow Jacket fan. Not because you told me, because you show it to me. Actually, not because you show it to me, because you show it to the world. Because you're wearing your hats and your t-shirts and you're waving those flags in your cars and people can't tell what sport do you love. I'm sure that if you love any kind of sport, and you can call it football, you can call it anything else. You can be a Manchester United fan or a Tottenham actually. If people know your team, People know that you love your team. Do the same individuals know that you love God? Can the same individuals figure out, yeah, I know he's a 49ers, pack, a 49ers fan, but I also know that he loves God? Or do, we, do they only know that you love football? They don't know the other side of your life. And I'm not telling you this so you can go and buy a T-shirt that says, I love God. Or that you can go and put a bumper sticker in your car that say, I love God. I mean, so many people out there, the least thing that they need, it is something that says that they love Jesus. Because of the way they act, doesn't show it. Less than two months ago, I was driving in Ronald Reagan, and a car got in front of me and almost hit me. Uh, so what do I do? Two things that drive Kelly nuts. The first one, I honk at them. But I strongly believe that you have a honk, you use it. I was born in a country where you embrace the horn, the hunk, and you just use it all the time. You use it as much as you use anything else in the car. You use that hunk. And the second thing that I do and drives Kelly nuts is like I'll speed up, I'll get next to them, and then I'll look at them. <laughs> I won't say anything. I won't say anything. But I have that tendency to just, just to give them the look, to let them know that I notice. Well, this guy, this guy I notice. So I get in there, I, I look at him, older gentleman, he look at me, he flipped me a finger. Now, just because my kids were in the car, I was able to keep both hands to the steering wheel. And not, <laughs> if they have not been there, I don't know what would have happened. Uh, but then the car just flat, you know, just goes. And as he goes, in the back of the car, I saw the little fish. And it said, Jesus. So let's do the least thing that you need to know is tell people that you know Jesus. But I'm not just judging him because there's a big chance that I have done that for other people. 
You see, when I'm telling you about loving God with all your heart, to show it, it doesn't require a bumper sticker. It requires one thing, and Paul spoke about that in Galatians. And he said, it requires peace, kindness, love, patience, mercy, goodness, joy, and faithfulness. People will know that you love God if you bear the fruits of the Spirit. Doesn't matter what your teacher says. If you're tweeting anything but these things, if you're speaking anything but these things, if you're acting anything but these things, it makes no sense what your hat or your bumper sticker says. You love God by the way you show it. Now, football fans will spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to go to a football game. Cheapest ticket for the LSU Clemson game, $857. And that stadium is going to be full. It's going to be packed with people. It's going to be packed with students that have no money, that have no idea how that works. Football fans will spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to support their teams. Christians, Christians don't go to church because they're afraid of the offering plate. I mean, football fans will go to a game even if it's minus 10 degrees and it's snowing. You'll see them sitting in the stand. Some of them without t-shirt makes no sense, but they'll be right there. Churches, if it's too rainy, we don't go to church. If it's too sunny, goodness, we don't go to church either. It's too sunny to be inside a church. Football fans, they'll block four or five hours on a day to watch a game, and nothing will get on the way. I mean, literally nothing. Even if you have four kids, you say, guys, there's a refrigerator and there is the bathroom. For the next five hours, you literally can survive on your own. <laughs> Do not bother me. Yet, Christians can't guard one hour a week. Because almost anything will get on the way, and almost anything will trump going to church. What if it looked like if we love God with our hearts? What it would look like if we love God with our minds? Well, you know what it would look like? You'll talk about it. You'll share about it. I have a 14-year-old son that he'll tell you anything about his football team. And what I mean anything is anything. He knows statistics that happened in 1975. He doesn't remember where he put his shoes this morning, but he knows what happened in a game in 1982. He'll tell you why his team lost this week, and he'll tell you how his team can win next week. He'll tell you about who is, where the standing of the polls, who's going to win the Heidman Trophy, what's the history of this team. That's what football fans do. They'll listen to blogs, they'll listen to the radio, they'll watch ESPN, they'll find and they'll know about their business. Christians won't open the Bible from Sunday to Sunday. You don't have to tell me, but how many people, it's January 5th, January 5th today, how many people have read the Bible before today in the year? You see, we Christians, we don't know our business. Of course we're not going to talk about something that we don't know. 
When somebody comes to you because somebody will come to you and say, hey, you know, I'm struggling with this. What do I do? Well, you don't know what the Bible says. You won't share what the Bible says because you don't know it. What it will look like if we love God with our minds? Well, we will be sharing about it. What it will look like if we love God with our souls? And that's where passion comes. How many of you guys have ever been to a football game? High school, college, professional? Or any other sport? Have you ever high five or hug a stranger in a sport venue? <laughs> it makes no sense how you can be sitting in front of somebody that three minutes ago you thought it was disgusting. <laughs> and because a team in front of you score, he'll turn around and you give him a high five, you give him a big hug. And then church time comes, and you, won't be able, you don't get people to greet one another. You don't get people to shake somebody's hand. You don't get people to say hi to anybody else. People walk into church come like, don't see me. And strangers that share one passion. You, you literally can walk through a parking lot in a football game, and if you see somebody that has the same passion, the same t-shirt, the same color, you can stop there and need their food and drink their drinks and nothing will happen. Somehow tailgates happens because people share a passion. And people not only share a passion for the team, people share a passion for winning. And yeah, I mean, I have four kids and they play sports and, and, and I'll tell them when they lose that it's about experience, it's about learning. No, it's, I don't want my kids to lose. I have to take them to McDonald's to buy ice cream because they're sad. I mean, at the end of the day, sports fans want their teams to win. Why do we have the same amount of passion about winning people for Christ? Why do we come to church and say, you know what? I'm going to win people for Christ. I'm going to be passionate about sharing what God has done in my life. You love God with all your soul, you will shine it. You will reflect that people will be able to pick you up in a crowd. And say, yeah, that's a Packers fan. Yes, that's a loving of Jesus fan. I mean, if, if having Jesus in your life is meaningful to you, and I believe it is, that's why you're here, wouldn't you think it would be meaningful to somebody else? That is what it means to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And let me just finish with this. Have anybody ever told you, I love you? Or have you ever said, I love you to somebody? It could be your spouse, it could be your girlfriend, it could be somebody else. There's only two ways to respond when somebody tells you, I love you. Because I love you, and you can say, well, thank you. <laughs> have you ever given that thank you to somebody? Or has somebody has ever given you that thank you? That is as low punch as it can get. It stinks. When you tell somebody, I love you, I say, thank you. So, well, I wasn't expecting that. Well, thank you very much, maybe. <laughs> How many of us, we are told by God, I love you, because we just celebrated Christmas. And our response to God is, thank you. It stinks, I'll say it. Let your response to God be, God, I love you too. And I'm going to love you with all my heart. I'm going to love you with all my soul. And I'm going to love you with all my mind. 
And when I'm able to do that, I'm going to be able to genuinely love others. May that be your flag for 2020. Love God with everything you have. Love God with your mind. Get to know more about God. There's blogs, there are podcasts. There's no excuses to not know more about God. Share God, not with a t-shirt, but with the fruits of the Spirit. Be passionate about God. Because there's people that need God. Thank you, Mateo, for sharing your testimony. There's people that are spending half the lives, half of their lives outside. And there's a big chance that they will not come to here. But we have to go where they are. Let you be somebody that loves God outside of this building. That's my prayer for us this year. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for your love for us, for sending Jesus Christ in Christmas God, for enable us to, to get a glimpse of what sacrificial love is. Because we pray that you can help us in 2020 to love you back with everything we have, with every inch of our bodies. God, let other people get to know you as they get to know us. God, let us better instruments of your love. That is our prayer for 2020. God, help us to cast a net, not for the sake of having people come to this building, not for the sake of having people joining the church, not for the sake of having people joining a denomination, but for the sake of people experiencing your love in their lives. That is our prayer for 2020. God, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.